0: That sounds like a modern horror movie. The suppressed queer girl at the chainsaw-wielding nunnery? I don't know. Shut up, Nick. It's Tuesday, January 8th, and you're listening to the Typed Out Podcast. I am your host and founder, Nick Polifrone. Every week, Typed Out aims to deliver conversations that seek to expand the boundaries of understanding and acceptance. And in this episode, we are hitting hard on acceptance. Joining me today to talk about religion and the LGBTQ community is Caroline McCaughey, who you may remember from our conversation with Lady Shake's co-founder, Martha Benson. Caroline, thanks for taking the time to chat.
1: Thanks for having me, Nick.
0: Of course. But before we get into it, this podcast is made possible by Audible. Caroline, do you like audiobooks?
1: I do. I just started using Audible, as a matter of fact. Really? I did. Yeah.
0: And what are you listening to?
1: Um, well, let's see. The last thing I was listening to was um, Michelle Obama's Becoming. Yes, No, I know. It was super. It's super good. Um, and she narrates it, obviously, and. I,
0: I highly recommend 10 out of 10. Oh my gosh. I have been wanting to get my hands on that book. Actually, she was in town recently in town in the city recently, uh, at the union square Barnes and Noble, where they do like an author series Yeah. yeah. being a big old book nerd, I am subscribed to their emails to get notified when they have authors come and do talks and she was coming. And so I got that email and it said that, you know, in order to go and see her talk and get an autographed copy of her book, that you needed to be in line by like 9 a.m. on Thursday. And I texted my friend Rachel and I was like, "Uh, hey, girl, do you want to go see Michelle? (laughs) You know, using first name, Uh, like, of course, casually knowing Michelle Obama. I wish. (laughs) She was like, yeah, totally. And then, of course, like the line was outrageous. So that was not going to happen. And then she was at Barclays Center. And I went to check tickets for that completely sold out. So you better work, Mrs. Obama. Okay. All I have to say is that if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash typed out, you can begin your 30 day trial with Audible and download a copy of Michelle Obama's Becoming and listen along for
1: free. Awesome. There you go.
0: All right. Well, let's get back to it. Um, just to to tail into spirituality in the LGBTQ community, this was something that after our conversation with Martha following the Lady Shakes Theatre Company podcast, we had been talking about projects that were upcoming just, you mm-hmm. know, in our creative lives. And I mentioned that I was working on a script with my friend David about spirituality in the LGBTQ community. Right. Because I feel like there are so many stories in our community that have yet to really be explored beyond the coming out story.
1: And one of them
0: being spirituality and how after you come out, one of the major things could be that if you are someone who is religious, most major organized religions don't support the idea of homosexuality in fact are vehemently against it and i know that there's been change recently um i know pope francis is pretty progressive yeah i think that there's still more room for progression but it's it's nice to see that we are moving towards a trend and i know that the upcoming production of romeo and juliet is going to be in a church correct yeah
1: exactly it's in a lutheran church
0: yeah yeah. So there is definitely progress being made, but I think that there's a larger topic there that does need to be talked about, which is how sometimes after you do come out as anybody identifying within the queer community, that sometimes the first thing that you lose is that spirituality. And mm-hmm. and how do you begin to grapple with that thinking now that I'm trying to live my most outward truth, how does it fit into the larger framework of religion or spirit? Right. And right. so something that you had brought up was that. Just in your own experience, which is now taking shape in, in this new podcast episode. So, Caroline, would you mind introducing yourself to the listeners, please?
1: Sure. Well, uh, so I was born and grew up in Southern California. Uh, as you mentioned, I was raised Catholic. Um, so I, I was homeschooled actually most of my life, um, except for you know a uh, parochial school in the first grade, and uh, and uh, and then later on in college, I went to a Catholic. Catholic school, a very small Catholic school in Ohio uh, to study theater. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone was like, y- you've left California to go to Ohio to study theater? What are you doing?
0: No shade against Ohio. <laughs> yeah, <I love> <laughs> Maybe just a little. Well, <laughs> know, all, ca- all from California, though. Like none from oh, New
1: right, York. Right, 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 right. Um, of course not. And then I've been in New York for a little over a year. And in fact, <laughs> I guess sort of springboarding some of the, the rest of this. Uh, whole story, I came to New York because I was planning on being a nun. Oh yeah, um, which I mentioned to you last time. But, yes. Uh, so basically, yeah. There's uh, a community of nuns uh, in Connecticut that I was very close with, and
0: um... which you mentioned the last time because I'm I'm from Connecticut myself. Yeah, right. right. And <laughs> when you told me of this uh, religious institution, I guess for the for lack of a better term, it blew my mind because I mean. I grew up Catholic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I consider myself, well, I guess I grew up Catholic light in the version <laughs> that we didn't necessarily go to church every Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I was baptized, but then beyond that, I was the fourth kid. So like, my parents were like, eh, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but it just kind of threw me for a loop when you mentioned that it, this was in Connecticut. And, yeah. and yeah. actually not too far from where I grew up, um, mm-hmm. which, is, which is Naugatuck. Mm-hmm. So what brought you to this location?
1: I wanted to be an actor since I was like 11. And so there's a a nun there at this abbey who was an actress in the 1950s and 60s and was in some movies with Elvis and various other notables. Yeah, uh, kind of a wild story. Um, But I saw her interviewed on TV uh, when I was about 16. And at the time I I was sort of in the midst of this trend of, like, I grew up watching these old movies, so, you know, my, my heroes were, like, Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn and, and all those people. Yeah. So I'd taken to writing to them, the, the ones that were still alive, and, like, asking their advice or, like, asking for their autograph or whatever. So my most treasured one, by the way, is Lauren Bacall, who I idolized. Um, Did she respond? <laughs> she, she didn't write me back, but she, she sent me a signed photograph, which oh. was, like, I know. Okay, so, Lauren. I know, I know, uh, which was super cool. But uh, anyway, so I saw this this nun interviewed and um, and I wrote her a letter, and basically just like introducing myself saying, you know I, I want to be an actress, but how do how do I do that and, and stay close to God? because I, I grew up with in, a, in an environment where it was very much like, oh, Hollywood is sin and you know, right. uh, you know, hellfire and brimstone and all that. But she wrote back and basically her message was just very positive. It was like, you know, you should any person should follow whatever their gift is so don't be afraid to go into these places that are quote-unquote sinful or or dangerous or whatever it is like go like be an actor and speak your your truth like you know and so she she wrote me back and and she said uh here's here's my cell phone number like give me a call ask your parents if you (laughs) if you can but uh give me a call so so i did and we from there we we became pen pals and And occasionally I would just call her and just sort of like, hey, like, I just did this show or, you know, whatever it was. And so one thing led to the next. And basically their community, one of the major charisms, as they would say, characteristics is hospitality. Mm -hmm. So they have various guest houses where people can come and stay for retreats or whatever it is that they they need. And, And so she was like, well, we have this theater on the property. It's... A community theater basically but uh, they do summer stock and why don't you come and stay at the Abbey and be in the show and so I did the summer after high school we did a uh, South Pacific was the first show that I was in great uh, but after that I went every summer like uh, through throughout college um, and spent my summers there and in fact at one point I transferred schools and then I, I didn't and anyway it got complicated but I had a few months time where I wasn't gonna be in school so I, I interned there because I have an internship program and at that point, I wasn't even acting. I was just working on the farm. So even when I was acting too, but especially when I was there as an intern, it was all land work. They they have this this big farm with uh, with cattle and sheep. And there's a blacksmith shop from like the 1700s. What? Yes. Um, which was, like, my favorite place to be. I love yeah, it. Yeah, okay,
0: Game of Thrones. I
1: know, I know. Aria. Uh, <laughs> it was so cool. You know, so they rode tractors and taught me how to chainsaw, and, um, <laughs> yeah, none taught me how to chainsaw, that which is so I, cool. I always kind of delight in telling people.
0: Did you feel fulfillment in the things that you were doing? Did oh, it yeah. feel like, yeah?
1: Yeah, well, because I, well, as they say, it's ora et labora, which is Latin for um, prayer and work. And the idea is that your work becomes your prayer, as this actress nun that I knew would say, you know, as an actor, like that is your, by acting, that is your form of worship or of prayer, yeah. of connection to God. So, uh, so that being said, the the things that we made with our hands, like I could be in the blacksmith shop and um, making, I I, I kind of specialized, I figured out how to make hand gardening tools. Mm. So that was my... My personal little thing that I, I did. So I made people different sets, and so I'd make like the wooden handles and like, and, you know, wood burn them and stuff like that. Cool. But like, you know, just little spades and like dandelion, like specific things that I knew that these specific gardeners needed yeah. around the property. Which apparently nobody had made in the shop before so everyone was like how'd you do that but it, it was just it, it felt very it was like when I held the tools in my hands after I, I finished it was like this is me and it's because of that it's something sacred yeah. like, there's a sacredness in this object that I'm holding in my hand now because I, I did it out of
0: love. My friend Allison has this beautiful way of looking at creativity as it being the greatest act of God, because God is creation. So yeah. anything that you create is an act of God.
1: Completely. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, yeah. I, I, I yeah. and I love that. And I love that she has shared that. Right. So it makes me think of, of the tools and even what your advisor was sharing with you. And I completely agree. The talents that you are given are there through God, whatever God means to you. It doesn't have to mean Christian God. It could be Allah. It could be yeah. whoever, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. It could be just spirit, the universe, you name it, fill in the blank. Right. Any act of creation or gift through that spirit is ultimately the highest honor. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I agree with her that even with your acting ability, that is an act of worship.
1: Sure. And as an actor, too that gave me sort of my access point into their whole way of spirituality because as an actor I understand this you know when I'm on stage I use my body it's like I'm my my whole body is in this and like this is me it's a vessel exactly yeah I mean looking back now it really formed a lot of who I am like you know how I how I saw things how I saw my art how I still see my art
0: you said that you had wanted to become a nun and then yeah yeah What was the turning point from that decision? Or did you think that there was the opportunity to pursue being both a nun and an actor at the same time? Or was there something else that kind of turned the wheel?
1: It became a little bit of a complicated situation, but this theater they have on the property is run not really by the nuns themselves. It's mm. it's run by various lay people, which, you know, people within the church that are associated with the community but aren't members of the community themselves. And so my mentor nun, the actress nun, was very keen on the idea of having someone from the inside to sort of run it. I think very early on, honestly, she she kind of had her sights set on me to like, oh, she could be the one to like sort of take it over and, mm. and you know sort of be a successor in a certain way to the point where she would go on radio shows without my knowledge, mind you, until after the fact and say, well, I have this young woman named Caroline who is going to be taking this thing over for me, like blah, blah, blah. Like bestowing this upon Bestow- you. Yes, me, yes, like like this whole, you have been formally yeah, knighted right, like without me telling you. Your, it's I like, would, I
0: didn't know I was up for knighthood. Yeah,
1: right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, but see, and at first that was really exciting because, you know, especially for a young person, sort of still looking for my place in the world. You know, here was somebody who I really respected, who was like, "Hey, here's your place." You know, here it is. Like you're the heir to this. Yeah, she this obviously thing.
0: saw something in you in order to right.
1: She was sort of my my chosen mother in a certain way. She was the one I was calling in college and being like, "This thing happened," or "I just went on this date," or like, "What you know, whatever it was." So we were very close. Hmm. Uh, so. Um, anyway it sort of culminated in the last summer I was there they were having some renovations done to the theater building and um they had this donor come in and he he wanted to put in it's it's an open-air theater so it it has a roof but it's like just open on the sides which is super cool because it's like the woods are in the background and it's just like it's great for Shakespeare oh cool so I was like oh I want to do as you like it and I had all these ideas and everything But this donor was like, well, I want to put in a a concrete floor, because at the time it was just gravel and, you know, not really ideal for... Anyways, my name is now in a granite plaque in that floor against my will, uh, but I didn't know about it really at the time until after it was put in. But it says, uh, dedicated to this nun, friend of mine, for her 50th anniversary. And then underneath it, in just a big, as big a font, my name, and then in quotation marks, future star and first of all i was like what does that mean what, yeah you
0: know, like, what does that mean
1: <laughs> first of all but i just i remember i i was coming down from church one morning and i was with my intern friend and she was like do you want to do you want to go look at it and i was like i really don't but let's just go see what what this is and i went over there and how did you find out i was well because this the, this nun friend was like i had a meeting with her because every week we would meet with at least one person we were kind of assigned people. She comes in in this little door. We had this little the, the building used to be a copper factory, so it was like this really old wooden kind of creaky building and they when you meet with them they're behind a a screen yeah. like a, you know, old school. So she comes in this room and and there she is behind this grill and she's like, "Well, are, are you sitting down?" and I'm like, "Well, yes, you can as you can see, yes I am." Uh, what what is it, you know?
0: Yeah, this is an in-person meeting not know, on the I'm phone.
1: Like, <laughs> What's going on?
0: It's like, are you sitting? We're on FaceTime. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yes, I'm you like, can okay, see me.
1: Yeah, hello. Uh, so she was like, "Well, have you been over to the theater?" And I was like, "No." And she said, uh, "Well, there is a stone over there, and you won't believe it when you see it." And I'm going, "A stone? Like, what are you? What? What are you talking about?" And she's like, like "A well, sword in the stone." Yeah, right. And she was like, "It's a plaque, and it has your name in it." And I was like, what? Anyway, completely shocked by this. And of course, at the time she was like, this is great. Like, you know, we're in this, st- we're set in stone together. You know, it was like, was the, was the thing. And she was like, here we are together, you and me like in this rock, like literally in a rock together. But of course I'm looking at it and it looks like a gravestone to me. Like I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh God. Like, I
0: mean, symbolically.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh
0: had things soured up to that point or not soured, but like what was your reservation in having, did yeah. it just feel like there's, was- Commitment was being thrust upon you in a way that you just didn't really have any free will in the the say.
1: I mean, it was it was complex because, like I say, there was part of me that did really want it in the sense that i was like this is if this is my purpose like obviously i i want to fulfill that
0: but you wanted to come to it on your own
1: right the thought that was bothering me at the time was just like i don't i don't deserve this yet like i haven't i'm not there yet it's not that never but i, I like this just is like way too much and, uh, and so of course I wrote to the abbess. I, I wrote it cause everyone communicates by notes over there. Like you get your work assignments every morning by these little notes. they' like, like Hogwarts. Oh, completely. Did you
0: send them by owl?
1: <laughs> I mean, there's a little slot, like there are little slots in various doors that you like stick your notes in and like, you know, using whatever little scrap and you learn to decipher people's handwriting and everything. But, uh, it's like, please meet me at the gate at ten thirty. you oh know? Gosh. And like you meet them there and, and you know, you don't know what you're going to be doing, but yeah. then you <laughs> go and like, um uh, wild times but so i wrote her a letter uh and i was like i'm not sure if you're aware but this thing was installed at the theater and i i feel very uncomfortable about it and i'm not sure that there's there's anything to be done but i thought you should be made aware in case you weren't Mm -hmm. because i have a feeling that you weren't yeah (laughs) and of course you know she responded very quickly and she was like i'm so sorry like no i didn't know And if I would have, I probably wouldn't have let it happen. But this donor is just very headstrong. And so he was determined that your name was going to be in it too. And he went ahead and did it. And so, you know, there you go. So it's sort of, in a certain way, I was like, well, maybe this is a sign. Like, maybe this is, you know, instead of feeling like this, like this literal stone is like crushing me. Maybe it's like, well, the opposite. Maybe it's the thing that I can stand on. Like, maybe it's... The liberation. Yeah, you know. So in the midst of all this, I suppose I should also say, I uh, various people within this, leaders in this community were, were some of the first people that I really came out to, uh, aside from my family when I was younger, which didn't go over particularly well. So, you know, I didn't know really what to expect when I came to the nuns, but they, when I first told them, reacted in such a positive way that I almost couldn't believe it. Like it just, they were so accepting. And I remember one conversation I had with one person in particular, was like love is love and you need to find find it for yourself like find who it is that you love whether it's a man or a woman or you know whoever or yeah it's good because it's love and you were made that way yeah which was like oh when did i ever heard a a catholic you know say that to me <laughs> like, right somebody that like, is yeah quite um, devout exactly uh, which
0: isn't to say that you can't be devout and not be pro lgbtq oh
1: right no but, but it's, it's just
0: like in usual uh, established institutions, that's not the case. Exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. So certainly I had not encountered that.
0: And it sounds like you had a pretty rigorous upbringing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> and uh, even the college that I went to is one of the most like highly ranked conservative Catholic colleges in the country. Certainly, I, I, I did not feel safe to come out there. May I ask
0: how old you were when you came out?
1: Well, I came out to my family when I was 14. It's young. Yeah, it, it was kind of a a couple of times really that I had to come out to them. So the first time I was pretty young and so they they took me to see this priest who was also supposedly a therapist who asked me questions like, why don't you wear more skirts? Oh, my God. Um, and next time you come to see me, you should be wearing a skirt. Like, your
0: gender expression needs to match the ultimate feminine perception oh, yeah, in order yeah, to very, make you straight. Exactly. Like, very much. the reason why you're not 100% interested in men is because you're not wearing skirt.
1: Yeah, ex- exactly. So looking back, I'm thinking, what, what, like, what... What?
0: Yeah, can we just, like, process that for a moment, who was listening? Like, let's just think about that. That the clothes that you wear determine who you are as a person. Sometimes they're a form of expression, but they do not construct oh, yeah. you. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. So, and I mean, so that was when I was pretty young. Thankfully, this this priest moved away, or anyway, I, I didn't see him for very long. And then... You know, obviously my reception to my coming out was not overwhelmingly positive at that point, so I didn't with your family. Yeah, yeah, right. So I didn't really I kinda let it lie for the next few years and then um
0: that is one of the toughest things as someone who's a member of the LGBTQ community. The fear of coming out the first time and then if it doesn't get received well, you have to do it again and again. and again and it's like reliving that nightmare over and over and over again until you actually find acceptance and sometimes that acceptance that occurs is inner acceptance like you at this point have just lost the interest in trying to please other people and have come to a point of truth in yourself yeah i sympathize with that and i just wanted to emphasize that for any allies that might be listening because i think sometimes the common perception is that you come out once and that's it it's like the doors open (laughs) no sometimes it is so terrifying that whole process is terrifying but it sometimes becomes a revolving door where you're going in and out of that closet because it's depending on who you're coming out to and the reception that you receive.
1: Oh, completely. Yeah.
0: I just wanted to emphasize that. So. Oh
1: yeah. Well, in keeping with that throughout college, you know, continue to hear these things where, I mean, thankfully within the like couple first years that I was there, a homosexuality was, they stopped teaching it in the, um, disordered psychology, uh, section of our Whoa. psychology classes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, Yay. Yeah. Uh, which is like a step in the right direction, but, like, but also is. like, wow, like just now, like, I uh. can't believe it was
0: there to begin with. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, so the second time really that I came out to them, I was like, Hey, I still feel this way.
0: Not a phase.
1: Um, yeah. I was like, but I want to find out more about this because it, it, I want to know, like, I do want to know if it's true what you say, which is that it's, something that is, can be, that isn't like inherent to me.
0: Or that it's against God. Right. Well, yeah. is that,
1: and so that was the main thing because that mattered to me, you know, obviously. So yeah. I was like, well, I, I want to find out the truth. So what, what do I do? And they were like, well, here, like go to this therapist. So I did, I started going to this other therapist um, who basically, I mean, you know, he couldn't really advertise himself as a conversion therapist, but he did say he was like, you know, homosexuality is completely like 100% curable Um, As long as the patient wants to be cured, I guarantee that I can can cure them. Those words, I guarantee.
0: And I just want to say, look at anybody that has supposedly gone through conversion therapy, (laughs) and you can see the unhappiness on their face. Like, oh, and yeah. also, I'm just going to throw it out there. And again, this is my personal opinion and I'm going to own this. But from the things that I've seen where people have been through conversion therapy or in the worst case scenario, when they say that they are cured of their homosexuality and they're actually teaching conversion therapy, yes. that to me is the highest form of working against spirit.
1: Completely,
0: yeah. You are suppressing something inside of you that you refuse to let live. Yeah. It's... it's realist truth Uh and you are suppressing that within young people or someone that's not you you know like you're you're teaching your practices are to shame someone else and my biggest thing is like how shame can be so damaging and so destructive and i witnessed it not only firsthand but in residual cases and it's just like i offer no sympathy to anybody that harbors such shame as the word that i'm going to use inside that they actually use it as a form of teaching
1: right oh
0: yeah you know it's one thing if like you align with being heterosexual and you're trying to do gay conversion therapy still not right but if you are gay bisexual lesbian whoever it is that you are inside that you're hiding from and trying to escape that by imposing that on others i just i can't stand by that
1: oh no yeah no not at all and i only recently found out too from from a friend of mine who I went to college with. He, I, I didn't know about this, but there was a 12-step program that was associated with the university for people that quote-unquote suffered from same-sex attraction because that was the diagnosis. So it was like SSA was the term. So everyone was like, oh, well, the folks that suffer from SSA, like not that any of them are here present or you know, anything right. like that. I'm like, oh, Jesus, you know, like, but he, he was like, yeah, I went to a couple of those meetings, like these things. And, and of course, like, I know that these things exist, but it still like blows my mind that there were, I'm thinking, who are the adults? Like who, there were professors there like who, that, yeah. was, that, that was putting you, these kids through this.
0: Exactly. That's know? where my thing is. Like, you need to take responsibility yeah. for your actions. Like, oh, you, yeah. There is a live human being on the receiving end of all of this information. Yes. And yeah. it can be so damaging that it is life-taking. And oh, that yes. is my biggest thing. Is like When you shame someone against who they inherently are, that it creates such damage that this person feels that the only way out sometimes is to take their own life. And that can be in multiple forms. It doesn't necessarily mean suicide, but feeling that they need to fit this mold of like the nuclear family. Yeah. And marrying someone who, not to say that love can't take different forms than sex and sexuality, but when you commit to a relationship that is based on a foundation that isn't truth, yeah. You're hurting more than just yourself. Oh, yeah. And that stuff, it will seep out in the worst ways Yep,
1: agree no i know
0: it's just like be responsible for your actions and don't shame gay people stop it
1: (laughs) dear god i know
0: unacceptable i know anyway sorry carolyn
1: no but uh well so anyway just to say i you know i i did i went to this therapist for a few months i i honestly don't it was like a couple of of rounds of sessions because i went back to school and then i came home and you know to california and uh to to be fair i did i did learn some things i learned some things about myself and just about you know growing up and that i was like wow i never thought of it like that and and that have proved to be actually pretty helpful to me but still it was like you know but he he had a very easy way of explaining the, the whole thing he was like well you you have a savior complex like if you if you stop trying to save these women Then you won't be in love with them, or you won't be attracted to them. Save save them. I don't know. I'm thinking, what? Like I.
0: (laughs) Speaking of savior complex, and you're trying to save me. You're trying to save me from myself and my same-sex attraction. The
1: irony. Okay. Okay.
0: This is called projection, sir.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, big time. So you know, one of the things we would do was uh, he had these like little clips. They were like you know when you take your temperature with a uh, with your finger. Yeah. It it was like that. But I I would have two on, on both my fingers. And they would vibrate. So, like, they would vibrate alternately. So it would be like, z- 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 z, you know, from side to side. And the point was, it was supposed to connect the two sides of my brain. So he would ask me these questions about. Um, <laughs> I know Sorry,
0: that was me rolling my eyes. Yeah.
1: Um, he would ask me questions about my childhood and, you know, sort of leading questions. Like, the point was supposed to be, like, finding these wounds that created my homosexuality or my same sex attraction. That I suffered from. And so he would ask me a question, and I'd think about it while I buzzed. And, you know, if eventually the two sides of my brain could connect, I would be healed or whatever. Um,
0: I don't know much about science. If there's any scientists, <laughs> I, not to say I don't know much about neuroscience. Uh, yeah. So if there are any neuroscientists listening or anybody that is well integrated or well steeped in science more than myself, I'm almost positive that the two sides of your brain don't work in tandem in the way that they like. It's like one thing happens on the left side, one thing happens on the right side, but it's yeah. not like all-encompassing brain capacity happening at the same time. Yeah. So it sounds like he's like trying to turn you into an X-Man. And- <laughs>
1: Well, it's something, because, yeah, but I mean... Correct
0: me if I'm wrong about that, yeah, listeners. I
1: mean, no, it's, to be fair, yeah, I don't know much about it either, and I, I really have been meaning to do some more research, because at least everyone I've talked to, and various therapists actually, subsequently, that I've talked to, who have not been in the slightest conversion therapists, are always like, what? I've never heard of that. So, I don't know, Yeah, but I'm it's, willing to know more.
0: Again, we're coming up with methodologies that we think we can discover in order to cure something that is quote-unquote incurable because it doesn't need to be cured.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I was actually watching Milk for the first time, the film about Harvey Milk, a couple nights ago, and there was a woman, an evangelical figure, and I forget her name at the moment, but basically... What she was doing was campaigning around the country to revoke the rights of LGBT folks from being discriminated against in the workplace and basically saying that, like, you can discriminate against someone based off of their sexual orientation and remove them because we are the problem as to corrupting the youth, oh God. right? Yeah. So it goes into this whole thing with Harvey against mm-hmm. another political figure at the time. And the guy who was against homosexuality was saying, like, it's you people that are corrupting our youth. Harvey was like, okay, so how is it me, the gay man, who operates in a predominantly heterosexual society, grew up with two heterosexual parents, that if I'm the direct influence of my parentage, why am I gay then? Right. Obviously, we're this way because this is the way that we are, Right. and not because right. anybody created us this way, but this is inherently part of our biology, right. part of our spirit. Right. The whole idea of somewhere along the way that you hit some sort of road bump and became this alternate bizarro (laughs) version of yourself, you know, and that you just need to be like corrected along the spiritual path, guided, like some sexual deviant that you are, you know, just find the light, small one.
1: I know. I know. True. Well, so then as a result, when I came out to the nuns, it was like such a, this amazing revelatory thing is I was like, oh my gosh, like I you know, they accept me, like, they, this is great, amazing, you know. Subsequently, as it happened, uh, I did move to New York because I still had some student loans, and they were like, well, you know, we need to pay these student loans off before you come in. And I was like, well, okay, so I have this, this year that, uh, between joining and now. Like a gap year. uh, Yeah, exactly, gap year, and I've always wanted to live in New York, because theater is really important to me, obviously, and I'll be doing theater in some capacity when I'm here, and I want to be in New York. Yeah. Well, well, you know, we'll think about it, we'll see. Anyway, they ended up calling up a friend of theirs who runs a hotel in Chelsea, and they told him about my situation, and he was like, Yeah, we'll, well, we'll take her on. So, basically, under the condition, the presumption that I was gonna be a nun, I was given room and board and paid weekly to be just like concierge. So, my job was just to like go around and like talk to the guests and make sure they knew how to get to their theater or, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> Only two weeks into being in New York, I, uh, I started an acting class. Shakespeare class, of course, and met this girl there uh, who very quickly hey. uh, was now <laughs> sitting in this room. Um, hey, Martha. hey,
0: Martha. You may remember her from uh-huh. our third episode of the Typed Out podcast.
1: That's right. Lady Shakes. Pretty much almost instantly, very quickly knew that my nun plans were going to be changing. Yeah, <laughs> I've had at least periods in my life have just really strong convictions, you know, and like, and this was one of them. And they were big about instincts at the Abbey too, as a matter of fact, it was all about instinct and following, you know, the spirit and your instinct. And I was like, this is important, I gotta. Yeah. So, so that was like two weeks into living in New York, and then a week in knowing Martha, I told them, I was like, hey, I, um, I met this girl that might be a game changer, like, a, this is really important to me to pursue this and see where it goes. And of course their response was sort of like, this was all by email at the time. And they were like, okay, well, um, let's meet. You should come here and we'll talk. And I was like, all right, so, you know, of course I go. And, and at first it was like very, it was a little bit, I could tell they weren't really sure how to proceed, you know? <laughs> One person I met with, I remember was like, well, um, just be careful. Um, don't be, don't be too physical and uh, and it'll be okay. You, you can love who you want, but just, uh, you know, be be careful.
0: Why is that like the first advice that gay people get when they come yeah. out where it's just like, Oh, that's great, but make sure you protect yourself.
1: Oh yeah. No. Or <laughs> or or it would jump It's like what? Like, protect yourself. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, the first conversation I had about it with someone else was like, so you're gonna go shacking up with this person that you just met or whatever and I was like, No one said anything about that like why. You yeah, know? that's not like, the just,
0: conversation that no, needs to be like, had.
1: I, I was like, Are you uh, so anyway, it progressed over the next couple of months, and I was like, "Well, you know, I was very aware that I obviously couldn't proceed with my my plans." Yeah. But those relationships were so important to me, really important to me. Yeah, they've um,
0: been cultivated over the past several years. Yeah, it was like five, point. six years yeah. of
1: like really formative years of my life, and they were my family, really. Like they were the ones that I thought of as as my family. And
0: your name was in that. And my name was Plaque.
1: In that. <laughs> yeah. Rocks. Yeah, that stone. So I was trying to figure out what could work or what, uh, you know, how I could, I mean, obviously not join, but like maintain that that relationship yeah. um, while not being a member, you know what I mean? Basically, when it came down to it, this, this mentor of mine um, and I would FaceTime all the time because... Oddly enough, as a nun, she, <laughs> she has iPhones and, and Apple watches and all this, so I, I would just I would FaceTime her all the time. So I FaceTimed her, and, and I said, well, uh, I, I have permission, because permission was a big thing there. You had to ask for permission always for anything. If you needed a toothbrush, if you needed whatever, it was like you needed permission. It's just a monastic tradition. You can't, like, that it goes through authority, because authority is divine and et cetera. So I was like, I have permission now to tell you about this thing, that's been happening, and, and it's that I, I have a girlfriend.
0: And at this point, you had come out to her previously. I
1: had, yeah, okay. and she, she was another one that was like, well, that's great, Caroline, however you love is holy, you know, and everything, and uh, and so she was like, oh, all right, uh, you know, what's your girlfriend's name, and like, what, how did you meet, and blah, 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 and I was like, okay, this is going okay, like, yeah. cool. Then it turned, and she said, um, she said, well, I'd like to meet her. And I said, great, and she, she was like, yeah, uh, so that we can talk to her, and we can uh, we can prepare her. I was like, P- prepare her for what? For what, yeah. And she was like, for when you come in here. And I was like, well, uh, that's what I have to talk to you about. Because again, like up until this point, the information travels very particularly there. So it's like you're not allowed or you're not supposed to talk to people about anything. Or like, you know, like you have to be very particular about who you talk to about what. Like there are channels there to are go channels, through. Definitely. Cha- and, and the terminology is it's being unchaste if you if you have a conversation with someone that is not appropriate or whatever, like it's not for them to know whatever the situation is or et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was just now like coming to her with this and I was and she was like, Well what do you mean? Like you're still going to, right? And I was like, No, I you know, which was really hard to say also because, you know, she's like staring like right there. Yeah and I'm like looking at And her, I yeah. was like, I I, I can't. I, I I need to I need to pursue this. I had never seen her like that before actually but she uh her her just her whole face just kind of changed and it became very much like basically how dare you have used all my this this time and energy that I've put into you just to walk away and let me down and she's like repeatedly would say if you love me you will do this and you will join. I kept saying I was like it's not about that it's not about this is about my life like this is my life it's not about whether i love you or not That's not right uh, that's not what it's about like,
0: yeah you, this shouldn't be an ultimatum no that's not, not how love works exactly it yeah. was so
1: and she says if you walk away if you let this go we will really let you go too like if she if you want your freedom if you want to live your life you go ahead you go to new york and uh, if you ever come back here i will never speak to you again And she was like, you know, you can come back here and have any conversation you want with anyone, but not with me because I put too much into this. And by the way, I have to be at church in five minutes and you have to give me an answer right now. And I was like, I was like, well, I I did, I did. I, I, I told you what, like, but I still, you know, so of course I'm, I'm crying. She's just like angry. And she was like, okay, well call me in the morning. And so I did. And I mean, that time she, then she wasn't angry. She was, she was upset like she was crying and we were you know she she said well how how is your heart and I was like well it's
0: broken (laughs) right how is yeah Uh,
1: you know like what do you what do you think
0: did she ever shift in her viewpoint
1: well so this was one person and then the other one that I the the leader the one that would have let me in Martha actually drove me out to to speak with her and I I knew that it was going to be my my you know I I say my breakup with the Abbey yeah you know, Martha being as, as wonderful as she is, you wanted to support me, and so she, she drove me in. Oh, it's just, you know, circles and circles. And... But the thing is, too, in, in that conversation, she brought up the fact that I had told this other person about Martha and had come out to her, et cetera. And she was like, Caroline, what were you thinking? Why did you tell her that? And I was like, Well, what do you mean? Like, she's an important relationship, and like, of course I'm gonna tell her. She's like, Caroline, you can't tell that to just anyone. So this was the person that I had come out to, you know, and had said, find who you love, Love no matter who it is, love is love, etc. And she's like, people will not accept this. You can't talk about that within this community. Not everyone will be accepting. Which was like, okay, so then the more I have this conversation, the more I'm like, yeah, there's like, there is nothing left here because I'm thinking... So you wanted to have me completely hide this big part of myself that is what you're telling me. And like, which I didn't know I was signing up for. Like you led me to believe something else. You know what I mean?
0: Right. You can't supposedly support me on one hand and then bring me down on the other. Right.
1: Ultimately, the thing is, it's still an institution. It needs funding. And it's like, if the mainstream within Catholicism is not to be pro-gay, pro-LGBT, then like then I couldn't be open about it. Yeah. It had to be enclosed, as they would say.
0: And we've had enough of secrets. No yes. more secrets.
1: Yeah, right. Right. And I, so I was like, no, like, bye. Yeah. Which was like, which was the hardest thing I've ever done. Like, it was not easy by any means.
0: Yeah. But you knew. But I knew. Oh, that, I totally like, knew. This, like, there's no, way, there's no two ways about this. No, like, no, it's more be true to myself than be true to the quote unquote relationships that I've... created here.
1: Exactly. Clearly, like, unfortunately, they they weren't as founded on as solid a foundation as as I thought. Yeah, it was just, there was a surreal moment, like, driving back to New York City, I, like, saw the skyline and it was like, wow, my whole, literally, it was like someone dropped my entire life in my lap because, you know, up until that point, I was like, I'd been thinking, well, I'm gonna live here, I'm gonna die here, you know what I mean? (laughs) And suddenly, it was like, no, I have this whole lifetime now.
0: Unfolding before you. Yeah,
1: which was A wild feeling.
0: Amazing how you said you were in New York for about two weeks when you met Martha? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. See, time (laughs) is a very peculiar thing. It is. It took but two weeks to overhaul six years.
1: Isn't that wild? I know. I know.
0: And imagine if you hadn't come to New York in that time. Exactly. Like how different life could be. Exactly. I will iterate time and time again, everything for a reason. Yeah. If you're willing to see the reason. And sometimes it's like that little sidestep that teaches us the lesson to get us back you know into right field to say I'm playing this card because it's it's the card that's been made present to me and that's the one I want to play and mm-hmm. that's the way I want to live my life.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, that's that's crazy. Yeah. And also <laughs> very admirable strength and spirit to do that cuz
1: Well, thank you. It uh yeah, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, but it just was one of those things that I like it was it wasn't that I didn't have a choice, but like it was so strong within myself that like I I couldn't I yeah. could not do what I did, you know what I
0: mean? They taught you to go on your instinct yeah, and go exactly. off of spirit, and you were. Yeah. Like, those aren't <laughs> two light things that you can deny what is and what is not instinct and spirit. You don't yeah. get to make that judgment call. Right. That's up to you and God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That is perhaps the only personal relationship or the most personal relationship is you and that connection. Yeah. And no person in between.
1: No, I agree. I completely agree. So,
0: I hope anybody listening, <laughs> everyone listening, everyone listening, uh, definitely gleaned the great information that came from that conversation as far as like, just follow you, follow your truth. Yeah. And the light only shines through that, which is within you.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally.
0: Alrighty. Well, Caroline, thank you for joining me today. Thank and you for having I me. know that we've had some listeners who are very eager to check out Romeo and Juliet. Yes. And can you please, again, share that information with us as to where and when it will be?
1: You can find us at uh, ladieshakestheaterco.com. Uh, we also have an Instagram set up. It's, once again, Co. And our first production, Romeo and Juliet, will be opening on February 15th in the West Village, St. John's. Uh, Lutheran Church.
0: Again, um, bringing it back to church.
1: Exactly.
0: Know, <laughs> Take me to circle. church. <laughs> <laughs> but they're accepting uh, y'all. They're accepting.
1: Oh no, they are. They they, they totally are. Um, Reverend Mark and his husband are uh, are the leaders of this church. Um, and so they've been very gracious to have us. And uh, yeah, so it's a two-week run. Come check us out. It's going to be awesome.
0: And if folks wanted to follow you personally, where can we find you? I'm
1: on Instagram, um, Facebook. Like I would love to to hear from anyone who you know, was listening and maybe had questions or, you know, thoughts or anything. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram. uh, I'm out there. I'm not too hard to find. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And if you're seeking something to listen to after this, again, we encourage you to check out Michelle Obama's Becoming, which you can get on audibletrial.com forward slash typed out. I have been your host, Nick Polifrone, and this has been a typed out production. We will see you again next week.